the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Jesse Gastan. He's the host of Way of Grace, a pastor and a community leader. He's a teacher and an inspiration. He's Lifeline's own Jesse Gastan. Well, it started off a little dull today. Weather was um, somewhat muggy, a little bit overcast. I don't know about you, unless, of course, you lived in the valley and where where you are in the valley. The, um, the fog does not hang out, but it did for us today, a good portion of the day, which means for those of us who wake up on Monday morning really seeking uh, to bask in the the natural DNA, that's part of our inheritance as Californians. Uh, we didn't get much of that today. And it may have impacted you psychologically or even emotionally. So you might be dragging today. Is that possible? <laughs> you might be just a little bit, little bit slow, a little bit um, uh, lethargic, if you will. Well, you know, um, it, the sun came out a little bit today, just a little bit, if you will. And um, glad for that because now... Look, we've got uh, two hours to hang out together and to uh, engage one another in topic and conversation. And I'm glad to have you on board with yours truly, Jesse Gistan. Uh, an amazing worship service yesterday, if I don't mind. I hope you do. I really do. I hope that what Monday does for you is kind of catapult you into another six days of uh, enthusiastic commitment to honoring God with your life, your work, your home, whatever, uh, whatever missional and um, uh, lifestyle commitments you're engaged in, whether you are single, whether you are married, whether you are young or whether you are old, whether you are black or white and all in between, whether you are male or female, um, In reality, we have a mission to glorify God in our bodies, which are his. Is that not right? And so I I, I do trust that Mondays do meet you well. It generally does for me. I I have admitted for a long time that I just absolutely adore the sun and look forward to its uh, smiling face on Monday after after a day of uh, laborious rest. I know that's oxymoronic, but. For a lot of us, particularly in ministry, Sunday can be one of the most laborious days of the week, uh, getting up very early in preparation for organizing my presentation as well as making sure that all things go well in uh, in, in service on Sunday. And uh, usually it does. Every now and then we'll have a hiccup or um, a small fire to uh, extinguish. But as a rule... God's really good. And his people come out in full force. We have good attendances every Sunday. Uh, we're very fortunate we are to have visitors. Not a lot, but but every week somebody's visiting from uh, another place, another congregation, or perusing to look for a church home, and we're thankful for that. We love to have the uh, opportunity to, to bless people with our um 
our grace atmosphere. And um, so, yeah. Uh, so how, ha- how how are you doing right now? Um, what's your what's your mindset right about now? What are you what are you thinking about? Uh, is there something you might want to talk about? One triple eight three six seven five three. Let me put that out there. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. First of all, remember that we are operating out of a very unique privilege, and that is a privilege of freedom of speech. What that means is we need to be very careful about how we employ our time and how we employ our dialogue and how we employ our mannerism around that so that we can model, particularly as believers, what it means to be, uh, you know, reasonably responsible communicators of, uh, of, of, of things that matter. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, so many things are taking place in our world right now. So many hot spots, so many challenges, so many issues, just a lot of uh, a lot of challenges, if you will, uh, in our world. I was just coming in thinking about some of the well, the real uh, troubled issues that take place in our uh, law enforcement community. You know, we've had for a number of years now and some who are more close to that particular issue would say many decades of um, law enforcement uh, overreaching their their boundaries and abusing their privileges as law enforcement law enforcement officers and and therefore harming people even to the point of killing killing uh <clears throat> killing people uh and that whole matter is still very much up in the air with uh, decisions being made and and uh, uh law uh law enforcement officers getting uh, time but maybe not enough time to um to really justify the crimes and and uh, an overreach of their their rights, their privileges as a law enforcement uh, agent. And so, you know, um, Oscar Grant being one of the very popular cases that we have heard about over the last decade and uh, and several others within uh, the local Bay Area, Richmond and and, and uh, Hayward and uh, San Jose and then across the nation. I'm just listening to how there is still a fairly important and fevered pitch around some of those matters. Um, uh, and, 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 and rightly so. You, you have loved ones who certainly would um, would want to uh, see justice executed and and, 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 and criminal officers uh punished for their crimes etc cetera, etc cetera. and so uh yeah th- these are these are important issues issues on the matter of abortion uh still very prevalent still very prevalent in America and when you hear the statistics about those uh who are either surreptitiously or just plain boldly going and having abortions it's uh rather frightening to think that in a culture where we have so much information now about the facts of it being a human life and about the facts of uh, of uh, who it is that's having abortions, the age ranges and things of that nature, you would wonder, you know, what 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 still compels uh, women uh, and if not men and women together uh, collaborating to want to uh, engage in such a horrible crime. And then beyond that, so many other issues that just appear to be uh, uh, problematic in our world, just problem after problem after problem after problem. The question might be, are you confused? Are you confounded? 
you know, has this crazy world system, got your head kind of spinning with all of its sort of self-contradicting agendas. Maybe about 10 or 12 years ago, I, I basically entitled much of what you and I are dealing with in the, the uh, present world system is a culture of death. Uh, that term I still hold to um, when I consider all of the uh, advocation and, uh, and, and push for just a kind of irrational autonomy from God, uh, leaving mankind uh, at the whim and capri of his own uh, whimsical judgments, you know, as as Moses had had warned the people of Israel, you shall not follow a multitude to do evil. And yet our society seems to be waxing worse and worse and worse on so many levels. And uh, it, it can become uh, it can become burdensome. I know it can become like overwhelming. It can become. Uh, so challenging that you might just, you know, you just might wonder, uh, you know, what is it all about? Why are these things happening? And to boot, you know, the issue of of, uh, families being attacked, families being challenged, uh, the the biblical model of uh, uh, womanhood and manhood uh, really being attacked today in our in our culture, in our government, in our schools. Um, I was reading an article earlier from uh, one Sarah Kramer, who happens to be working with the Alliance uh, Defending Freedom Institute around uh, a, a sort of a, a growing trend, if you will, of uh, transgendered uh, women, uh, really men who want to be identified as a woman, uh, entering into uh, the sphere and world of authentically female um, persons and wanting to have the same kind of access and, and total acceptance as if, in fact, they are biologically uh, equivalent to a female. Now, you know, um, how 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 dangerous is that? How precarious is that? And uh, how important is that to us as men and women? I was thinking about the many, many decades starting about maybe 30, 40 years ago, more particularly, as we were moving up out of the civil rights movement. And, uh, you know, the whole issue at that time was around African-Americans and, and their their rights and, and the need for them to have, uh, you know, some kind of social justice, civil justice uh, uh, acknowledgments and, and change of laws, all of that being valid, of course. But uh, that train had several different cabooses attached to it. One of which was the homosexual community, as you know, if you follow the uh, the linear progression of uh, the the whole civil rights movement, you know we moved from uh, dealing with uh, people of color, or at least African Americans, and the injustices done to them, and then all of a sudden, you know, the issue of homosexuality and the acceptance of it as a viable uh, people group, almost like another race, if you will, uh, with regards to the way that they actually approach dealing with it on a civil rights level uh, and, and then move from a, a kind of acknowledging them as uh, whole persons, if you will, to uh, having to accept um, their lifestyle as being fundamentally biological. And the next thing you know, um, you know, there are reprisals and uh, liabilities and lawsuits if uh, if one disagrees with a person uh, identifying themselves as a homosexual or a lesbian. And so we had that battle. And then all of a sudden, 
uh, you know, they moved into the category of uh, the sacred institution of marriage. And the next thing you know, uh, it wasn't just enough for them to have a kind of common law union uh, by which they get benefits. They needed to be married. They needed to be married. And that thing got pushed and pushed. And sometimes we won, sometimes society uh, lost, sometimes there was a, uh, you know, a draw. And didn't you guys remember what happened somewhere around 2008, 9 or 10, uh, where finally, it, particularly in California, there was a, a vote. The, uh, the uh, social opinion, the popular opinion had over time uh, swayed towards uh, acceptance of, uh, of, of, of marriage for same-sex couples and it's the law now. And you kind of would have uh, thought, you know, okay, there you go. They had that. That's it. That's all we have. Nope. Then all of a sudden you had these hyphenated letters, LGBTQ. First it was LGBT. Then all of a sudden it's LGBTQ and it's LGBTQ da 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 now. It's, it's where we are. And now all of a sudden our governments and our politicians and our educational institutions and our entertainment institutions and particularly our government and our uh, educational institutions are mandating, mandating that we accept this whole notion of self-identification being contrary to or different to their biologically assigned gender. And uh, it's, it's just becoming a huge problem, huge problem. In the article that uh, that that uh, Sarah Kramer had written, it echoes the uh, the commentary that was written by uh, Albert Moeller several weeks ago. This kind of all was precipitated by, uh, and I talked about this a couple months ago, uh, Martina Navratilova's um, argument when she saw that uh, tennis was about to be invaded, women's tennis was about to be invaded by transgender uh, 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 men who are calling themselves women. Uh, and here's the article on uh, on uh, Martina's expression of it. She won the Wimbledon women, uh, women's single title, quote, a phenomenal nine times. I really did enjoy her personally. Knew she was gay, but um, or lesbian. I definitely enjoyed her. Martina Navratilova's name, however, appears in the headlines not for her athleticism, but for her collision with the LGBTQ revolution. Now, notice how Mueller is calling it a revolution because it is. Why is this interesting? Because Navratilova identifies identifies as a gay athlete who championed the cause of gay rights. Now the LGBTQ mainstream has disavowed Navratilova for her comments that criticize, watch this, the participation of transgender women in gender-specific sports. That is to say, allowing men who identify as women to compete against actual women in athletic contests. This controversy began in December of last year, that is uh, 19, uh, um, uh, 2018, when Navratilova tweeted, you can't just proclaim yourself a female and be able to compete against women. She advocated for standards that would disqualify trans women from competing against women in athletic events. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because we've talked about this before, what I call the Trojan horse 
uh, methodology of invading a culture um, uh, in a surreptitious way. And then once you get into the center of that culture at night, when that culture is sleeping, then all of the uh, implied and inferred interest groups begin to make their way out on the platform of civil rights and, uh, and begins to take over the city if the city is not prepared to stand against the bad logic uh, the bad morals, the bad ethics, and bad pr- the principles that constitute uh, a behavior that would be uh, destructive to our society. Now, here about with with, with regards to uh, Martina's outrage and outspokenness of what is an invasion into the authentic woman's real world by the um, LGBTQ community, particularly the trans community. Her outrage is that she recognizes what I'm wondering whether or not men and women are going to recognize after a while, that God made them male and female, and that that fundamental premise, no matter how much uh, manipulation of the genome, no matter how much manipulation of the body parts, no matter how much manipulation of the appearance one might want to try to uh, engage in as a kind of neo-Frankenstein uh, science project towards women to make uh, uh, men to be like women in their appearance, no matter how much you do it at the fundamental structure of their existence, they are male. That's right. With all of the dominant genes and all of the dominant hormones, with all of the the dominant testosterone that would give a significant disadvantage to the transgendered person who would have the right to enter into sports at the level of female sports and uh, and then take over and begin winning, which is what's going on right now. I don't know if you know it uh, in in so many different sports. It hasn't hit like your mainstream sports of uh you know, your uh, WNBA, but I'm sure it will one day. It's trying to crop up in track and it's trying to crop up in tennis. Uh, and eventually it will it will try to make its way uh, in the, into the center of all women's sports. So is, 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 is Martina right? Is Martina Navratilova right for recognizing that this would be an absolutely unjust unfair, unethical, and from a Christian worldview, immoral uh, 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 concession on the part of our government to force women to have to engage in sports with men who are now self-identifying as women. Is this fair? Now, so, yeah, I want to I kind of start the conversation off. Of course, I got to take a break. I'm, I'm ranting. But is it fair? Because, you know, we hear this thing about equality and we hear this thing about justice and we hear this thing about fairness you know, on the part of people who are advocating all of these different categories, intersectionalism, as we talked about before. Everybody got a, got a hyphenated group that they're a part of today. Let me ask you, is it fair for the transgendered man with all of the biological advantages of the male species to be able to penetrate into the female culture and identify as a female when he's not? And then have all of the benefits of subduing or beating or having advantages of them, exceeding them in performances at many different physical, biological levels. Is that fair? 
And what are the out? What are the far-reaching implications when once uh, our government and our institutions and our educational system just overlooks this very germane question? What are the 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 consequences of the next step? Because it doesn't stop right here. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. And as I said in my opening uh, statement, are you confused? Are you like, is your head spinning? Have you, have you drunk, drunk of uh, Babylon's wine and, and kind of lost uh, a real sense of your spiritual mores? Um, are you unclear on the, the biblical absolutes about what it means to be a man and a woman? And how important terminology is around these things. Anyhow, we'll take up that matter. I've got two lines open, one 367 I'll be right back. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time, 527. On the Monday edition of Lifeline, you're listening to your host, Jesse Gistan. Glad to be with you. Very, very uh, glad to be with you. I have one line left open, one 367 um, and, and we basically opened up the conversation. Let me see if I can kind of anchor it in, um, in, in, in some, some biblical truth. Uh, years back, I uh, noted how God had warned us as human beings for um for becoming way too smart for our britches. And uh, I, it must have been about six months ago, uh, if you will. I, I, I did a short series at our church on the distinction between the uh, sacred spiritual man, the sacred spiritual man, uh, and the uh, scientific social man. So I, I've observed in our society that we got two kind of people, people that are set apart who have a spiritual capacity for comprehending truth by which we interpret the way the world is operating through the eyes of God and through God's word. And in our personal commitment to God, he he um, he grants us the capacity to properly understand origin, purpose and destiny that God is the originator of all things. That by the word of the Lord's were the heavens made, that God spoke everything into existence. And that in terms of mankind, he created him out of the dust of the ground, if you will. Genesis 2, 7, man was created directly by God as much as science social man would love to laugh at that concept. The word of God makes it plain that mankind is the direct product of God. And he bears the Imago Dei, the Imago Dei. The image of God within him makes him uniquely different than every creature on the planet. Again, social science man does not believe that. Social science man believes that we are all a product of evolution proceeding from one fundamental amoeba, one fundamental protozoa, one fundamental uh, lifeless entity that all of a sudden became life, which uh, are still fantastic arguments that have absolutely no legitimate uh, historical or a biological basis for them. Already proven that they're merely sets of hypotheticals built in uh, the science world on the basis of uh, of uh, just a, a you know a an evolutionary Darwinian theory. All right. So what we say is that 
mankind has value. He has a sacred calling. He has a particular gifting to be uniquely different than all the animals, uh, other creatures in the world, mammals and animals, etc. And therefore, it's called by God to um, represent God in this world by uh, by a life of rational, righteous, moral, ethical, spiritual and practical uh, uh, duty over the planet. We have fallen into sin and rebellion, and as a consequence, as Solomon puts it, we are all descending like beasts, descending in our moral judgments, descending in our ethical norms, descending in our social, psychological uh, disunity, disharmony, and chaos. We are all now, as human beings, experiencing the depravity of sin, the noetic effect of sin, the loss of reason and rationale, and the Bible forecasts. Mankind basically turning around and telling God that he does not know what he's doing. And this is where Isaiah made it very plain in Isaiah chapter 29, 16. Surely your turning of things upside down shall be esteemed as the potter's clay. For shall the work say of him that made it? He did not make me. God did not make me. Isn't that what we're saying today? Or shall the thing formed say to him that framed it? He has no understanding. Oh, God may have made me, but God does not understand who I am. I have to define myself. I have to determine who I am. And God has to simply sign off on it because I am self-determined. I am autonomous. I am free. I am an individual without any kind of uh, culpability um, or accountability to a higher power. That's where we are today. And as such, we are warned that God would give humanity up to a reprobate mind and give them over to, fundamentally, ladies and gentlemen, a dishonoring of our bodies. It's the way he puts it in Romans 1. You saw it, right? Romans 1, 18 through 24. It ends after God gives what he states is an undeniable, irrefutable, uh, unapologetic argument for his existence, his power, and his purpose. He says, but they turn the truth into a lie and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God into a glory like like unto four footed beasts, creeping things, birds of the air and, and, and mankind. So they changed the truth of God into a lie. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's what we are dealing with in our present culture, where humanity is defying the biblical concept of us being created by God and in his image. And whenever a human being looks at himself and denies what is the clear and biological factors that are undeniable about himself or herself, we are now fabricating an idol. And I've said it long ago, the number one idol that we are preoccupied with and engaged in is the idolatry of man. This is called humanism. This is called man-centered humanism. And at the heart of this idolatry is to actually strip, gut out of mankind his connection to the true and the living God by way of God's word. So when you stand up and say, I am self-identifying as a female, when in fact you are a male, when in fact you are a male. I am identifying as a male when in fact you are a woman, you are engaging in idolatry. The epitome of idolatry is this humanistic system that we are operating out of today. This is really at the heart of what I am calling the Trojan horse uh, 
uh, a strategy of the wicked one who has entered into all of our extremely important social constructs uh, to 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 challenge and to and to distort and to deny the reality of biblical truth that speaks into all of the categories of our lives for the purpose of our good. And where we will begin to tolerate and accept the notion that we can redefine our own gender. Well, this is what you're going to get. The group of people that are willing to acknowledge that you cannot touch the notion that when God made us a male, he made us a male. That when God made us a female, he made us a female. Regardless of how you find yourself justifying your sexual proclivities uh, towards a homosexual lifestyle or other or bisexual, etc. That's the whole spectrum of the LGB community uh, to move into a category now where you deny your gender sets you up for intersectional conflict. Because now you're running up against women who are real women who love to be women and want to be women. I think you do and, and delight in being women and you wouldn't want to be anything else. But now you got to deal with a man who wants to be a female. I was thinking about this and I do have to take another break, but then I'll come back and talk to you. How come the transgender community, particularly the males aren't just running headlong and, and swaps towards male sports how come they're not doing it? How come the women, rather, who are, are identifying themselves as males aren't just running up and saying, I want to play in the NBA. I want to play uh, in the National Baseball Association, American Baseball. I want to play football. I want to run track. How come the women who are self-identifying as males are not making a push towards uh, uh, all things male with regards to a biology, because you and I know specifically and emphatically that there's a radical and very clear distinction between a biological male and a biological female. And once we make concession to that reality, then we have to begin to accept all of the underlying prerequisites that go with that in terms of our calling and purpose. And now we're returning to the God who made us in our present world system just don't want to do that. Do you see what I'm saying? On the one side of the occasion, uh, 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 on the one side of the uh, uh, ledger, for many decades, we've gone after the male. We don't want to have to admit it, but a lot of our mothers realize now after about 50 or 60 years of saying men don't matter, men don't matter, men don't matter. And we have uh, found ourselves homeless, our maleless in our homes for many, many decades and thinking it's all right. We can still survive without the man being in the home. You know better now, don't you? Because we thought, you know, it's okay as long as, you know, women were getting their props, women were getting their rights, women were getting the benefits, women were being pushed ahead. But don't you know that was all part of the Trojan horse system? Now they're coming after you. Now you got to stand in a line right next to a big old gorilla. Who 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 wants to who wants you to just even just imagine you're standing there with another sister. And just lose your mind, just just basically lose your rational mind. And so uh, that's a problem, don't you think, sisters? 
Don't you think that's a problem? All right. One line left. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. One line left. One triple eight three six seven five three two. What am I talking about? Just in case you don't know, I'm saying they came after the men. They got the men because the men, men and women don't know how to protect each other. When you don't have a biblical model of the correlation between a man and a woman, and they got us into the sexist battle. Remember that? The battle of the men and the women. And once they started remorphing men and saying he has to be softer and more gentle and more pliable and more giving and more yielding and take the back seat. He's not he's not all that. He shouldn't be all that. And after a while, he's not even really useless. Like we can get along without him. All we need is a sperm. We can take care of everything else. You see the price that it pays. One line left. One triple eight three six seven five three two now. Now they're coming after you, ladies. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. All right, we're back. The time five forty two. I'll go to the phone lines here shortly, but I want to take up our, our conversation with Martina Navratilova because once she spoke out about the unfairness of the transgender community coming into women's uh, competitiveness, uh, she faced. As I am, uh, I'm reading now, quote, never to faced immediate backlash from the LGBT community. Transgender activists lambasted Navratilova and warned her that she was about to be on the wrong side of history. Do you see how big this issue is for them, ladies and gentlemen? For them, it's legacy. It's history. It's not just a, a matter of private judgment. This here is a sweep to change the world. I quote, once a leader that is Navratilova, an international symbol of the gay rights revolution, Navratilova has been left behind, says Moeller. Her views were no longer in step with the sweeping moral upheaval propagated by the sexual revolutionaries. After the backlash, Navratilova deleted her tweet. You see how they push you and, and, and threaten you and then all of a sudden she tweeted, deleted her tweet. And promised to study the issue in depth. Was that it? Did Navratilova uh, just kind of take her licks and wounds and go into hiding like a lot of people do? Who out of impulse and instinct for what is still left in their soul, a little clarity on things that are utterly absurd and undeniable in terms of the biological factors. That was late 2018, Moeller says about Navratilova. Now, in the Sunday Times a few weeks back, one of the most influential new newspapers in London, Navratilova expanded her argument in an article with the headline, The Rules on Trans Athletes Rewards Cheats and Punishes the Innocent. Whoa. Now, whether uh, this is me speaking, whether Martina Navratilova knows it or not, this is a biblical principle. You shall not take a bribe to pervert judgment. A just balance and a just weight is the Lord's delight. A false balance is an abomination unto the Lord. You shall do justice in judgment, God says to his people. She says the rules on trans athletes rewards, cheats and punishes innocence. Now, watch this. Navratilova began her article writing shortly before Christmas. I inadvertently stumbled into the mother and father of a spat about gender and fair play in sports. It began with an instructive reaction in a tweet that I wrote on a series, a serious forum dealing with the subject. Perhaps I could have phrased it more delicately and less dogmatically, but I was not prepared for the onslaught that followed. 
She described how she did what any rational person should do when presented with a moral quandary. She decided to learn about the subject and she addressed in her tweet and allowed herself time to contemplate on this very important issue. After her time of reflection, she came to the same conclusion. Bless you, girl. That's me talking. When sports organizations capitulate to the trans agenda and allow transgender women to compete against other women, they foster an environment of cheating. I mean, you can take that word cheating and just penetrate into all of the the layers and categories of of psychology and, and physiology and sociology and no doubt theology and definitely spirituality and the origin of things. Because it's all cheating when we go to lying. That's what I meant earlier when I talked about creating idols. Navratilova wrote, if anything, my views have strengthened. To put the argument at its most basic, a man can decide to be a female, take hormones if required, but whatever sporting organization is concerned, when everything in sight and perhaps earn a small fortune and then reverse his decision and go back to making uh, to making babies if he so desires. It's insane and it's cheating. I am happy to address a transgender woman in whatever form she prefers, but I would not be happy to compete against her. It would not be fair. You see what she's saying? She's trying to say you can you can call yourself a woman. You can dress how you want to. You can cut stuff off. You can put stuff on. You can paste stuff on. You can paint stuff on. Whatever you want to do. She's saying that we can have that conversation. But when it comes to sports, it's not fair because it's not about a male or female in that particular context. It's about biology. Navratilova based her arguments on the nature of hormones and biology. She writes, simply reducing hormone levels, the prescription most sports have adopted, does not solve the problem. A man builds up muscle and bone density, as well as a greater number of oxygen carrying red blood cells from childhood. Don't tell me men and women are the same. That's me talking. Training increases the discrepancy. Indeed, if a male were to change gender in such a way as to eliminate any accumulated advantages, he would have to begin hormone treatment before puberty. Ah, there you go. That's why they're going after your kids. For me, that is unthinkable. See what Navratilova is saying? I'm drawing the line. I got my issues about being gay. That's what she's saying. And I accept the fact that people can do what they want to, to a point. I am not going to allow this idol, this lie, this fabrication of self-identification to make its way all the way down to the fetus in the womb. I'm not going to do that. Of course, that's where our world is going with this Neil Frankenstein agenda that I'm talking to you about. What is unthinkable for Navratilova is exactly the direction of the transgender revolutionaries, says Moeller. They actively advocate the use of puberty blocking hormone treatments and allowing children and trans uh, teenagers to transition. The dizzying speed of the LGBTQ revolution blazed ahead of Navratilova, leaving her behind in this dust of moral chaos and confusion. Now, you know, Moeller is just using a, a kind of strategic expression here. Navratilova is the product of the 60s and the 70s, as uh, am I, and she is the product of a more objective community base that has not been so absolutely whimpered and, and, and confused and, and, and distorted in their thinking, as is our Gen Xers and millennials and, and all the rest coming, that she could still see the distinction between a fabricated person and a real person and the biological unfairness of it. 
Navratilova's argument is quite simple. A transgender woman, rightly understood, is not a woman. A transgender woman, rightly understood, is not a woman. A transgender woman, regardless of feeling and medical treatment, does not possess the biological structure of a female body. This presents an unfair advantage for transgender women who, despite hormone treatment, still possess at least some of the physical qualities and attributes of a male body. A transgender woman athlete benefits from the bone density, muscle mass, skeletal structure, circulatory system of a man, even if hormones are adjusted. According to Navratilova, hundreds of trans athletes, specifically transgender women, ride the wave, here it is, of the moral revolution into a realm of competitive sports and through their unfair advantage win sporting contests against women. As Navratilova stood her ground, the backlash from the moral revolutionaries only increased. The LGBTQ elites have unseated Navratilova as a spokes, uh, spokesperson for gay rights. This divergence marks a collision between traditional gay rights activists and the new transgender activists. This is what I call the clash of the intersectionality that goes on within the Babylonian system as it self-destructs. Navratilova finds herself caught in the chaos of the moral revolution as the winds have now turned against her and her outdated, antiquated gay rights morality. This story is not about the secular worldview colliding with a biblical worldview, but a collision within the secular mind self itself. The logical outcome of the moral revolution leads to this kind of confusion in which the new activists turn on the old activists because people like Navratilova are not pressing the new agenda far enough he's not done but i'm done i've got to take a break way overdue and then i'll come back and i'll get your calls i just needed to make sure that we had clarity on what's going on from an objective standpoint a woman who is very prominent in the sports world who played a major role in the early days of gay rights recognizing that the pendulum to the left is about to break and she doesn't want to break with it i'll be right back and now back to Lifeline. And we're back. The time is 5.55 on the Monday edition of Lifeline. Let us quickly go to line number two and talk with Sheila in Antioch. Sheila, are you there? Yes, I am. How are Here you? Here is the problem. Okay, see, the, the word says that when I bring you into the land and you subdue it, do not go in and say, how did they worship their gods that we may do so? Because the land will spew you out. This is the problem with the world. We want to do everything we see the pagans do. Okay, I grew up in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when the gay movie came on, then the lesbian movie came on, and the other movie came on. Now you got men actually really thinking that they're women, mm-hmm. women actually thinking that they're men. Come on now. If God made you a man with a penis and a woman with a vagina, I don't care how you change it. This is what you are. And nobody can tell you genetically through the womb. If once that egg hits that sperm, this is what you're going to be. This is Babylon. And I'm so sick of it because I live around a bunch of homosexuals and lesbians. And it is disgusting for you to even think that you can compete on the level of a man as a woman and on the level of a woman as a man. You can't do that. That is Babylon. That's obscure. Now you just have kids deciding what they want to be? What kind of garbage is that? Oh, 
he's always because you put a dress on him. Now, I have a sister-in-law who has turned her son into a gay man. Mm. He's only 14. Mm-hmm. She's a lesbian woman. Oh, you go to the LGBT parade in San Francisco, and he's supposed to go because this is what he's supposed to do. Yet your daughter is bearing babies. Come on now. Now, How confused can the people be? Now, yeah, well, they are confusing. You do not sound confused. You do sound a bit angry, and 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 th- that anger can be rooted in righteous anger. What do you do about it if you have an opportunity, Sheila? When you come across some of our friends and even our relatives and loved ones who are succumbing to this Trojan horse system of Babylonian chaos, what what would be your recommendation in terms of talking to them as a Christian? I'm assuming you're a believer in Christ, right? I'm a believer in the Most High Yah. I am. I, I, I am set apart. While the sun, I am set apart for this. I'm watching this gay girl try to push up on my daughter now, right as we speak. Here's the problem: if you don't start from the beginning, from the battle sheet, Bada, I, I too, I do not. In the beginning, God, and speak to these people about that. I remember I was working in Martinez, California, one time, and I had a lesbian. Um, co-worker and with speaking to her and speaking to her, oh we go to church and we do this and we go to church and we do this you need to read these scriptures I put on Facebook one day every scripture that says that homosexuality is an abomination to God I lost a lot of friends but you know I didn't care but I turned a lot of people around who understood if you think you're going to heaven cancel that one it's the truth is the truth is the truth you either die and go to hell with your false believing, or you submit to the spirit and go to heaven. You 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 can't be one. You can't you can't be one or the other. Homosexuality is an abomination. God says He spews them out. I don't care what you change your sex to. You can change your sex to a dog. It's still an abomination. He wasn't mistaken when He made you what He made you. He didn't have a mistake in that. Sheila. Nothing Sheila. in the beginning when he spoke. In the beginning was the word. The word was God. And the word was with. And the word was with God. And words spoke. You're gonna be a girl, Sheila. That's gonna be a boy. That's John. That's gonna be your husband. Period. Thank you for your call. Let me go to line number two, three and talk with Sheila Susan in Fremont. Thank you, Sheila. Susan, are you there? Thank you for your call. Yes. Okay, you're gonna to have to cut that radio down, please. I just did. Okay. I just did. How are you? I'm, I'm still talking. hearing you. I'm still hearing you. Yeah, is that better? Yeah, like it has to be all the way off. Otherwise, I'm feeling like I'm on some kind of uh, drugs and hearing myself in the back of my skull and brain, and that's not good for for radio. So just it's just it's just you and me right now. Just as you and I are talking, don't yeah, it's just you and I. So what's going on? How are you? I'm I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm good. What's your thoughts about our topic and conversation today? Well, I have so many thoughts, and um, one of it it's it's like nothing surprises us me mm-hmm. because it's how the world thinks, mm-hmm. and the world thinks in total opposition um, to how God thinks. I agree, and it's been that way from day one in the garden. And so it shouldn't be any surprise to us what we're seeing happen in our culture. Mm-hmm. And um, America has really had a 
a vacation, so to speak, from typical cultures throughout history. Because what we're seeing happen now is nothing to what some of the cultures were back in biblical times. And as far as, um, I guess I'm thinking more from a practical standpoint, uh, the you know, like you said, the government's mandating mm-hmm. how we should think and what we should say and what we should not say, um, which is really against the Constitution of free speech mm-hmm. um, and, and free thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that regardless of what people think or say, that we need to respect one another because one person's opinion is just that. It's their opinion. True. Now, whether it's the truth or not, and I'm saying God's truth, the absolute truth, uh, it can be in opposition to that. Sure. And um, this whole thing, uh, in in a sense, the the I call it the um, the alphabet. Yeah. Uh, LGBTQ the alphabet plus, etc. etc. Yeah, et I call it the alphabet group. Mm-hmm. Um, has created a category, and practically speaking, why not have uh, a third category of competition? Where you have a men men's competition, women's competition, and then you have leagues with with um, um, <laughs> with all the other with all the other alphabets. Right, with all the other alphabets. And I'll tell you why. I'm, it's that's a little bit too simplistic. I know. I know. Okay, so it'll never happen because the goal is not to merely have these different categories. The goal is to actually uh, subsume within these uh, fictitious categories, Susan, the fundamental reality of the binary species, male and female, not only the 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 very clear, limited binary distinction between a man and a woman, but to destroy the distinction of a a man and a woman, period. The whole agenda is to deny God's glory and wisdom in creating them male and female in the image of God created in them. That's the whole agenda. It's not to say, okay, you can be uh, a biblical male, you can be a biblical female, but then we have all these other categories and we won't deny you. We won't bump into you. We won't subsume you. We won't obscure you. We won't, uh, we won't dominate. You know, the whole goal is to eradicate any kind of semblance of the one true and living God and God's ultimate image bearers on this earth are men and women who know him through the person and work of Jesus Christ and advocate a full biblical theology, i.e. we do believe that God created us in the beginning in his image and in his likeness. We do believe that we are uh, specifically designed and purposed to procreate in the context of male and female and in the context of marriage. That witness that God is bearing in the earth, Susan, by virtue of believers in the triune God is what the world wants to overcome. It's what the world wants to snuff out. That's where we have to understand that battle. And what that would mean is that even if you and I hold to a biblical worldview, um, they're going to come after our kids. And if they don't get our kids, they're going to come after our grandkids. And so in a lot of ways, the question that I'm kind of asking I guess it's an additional question to whether or not one is confused. You aren't confused. Sheila wasn't confused. Um, Is that are you aware that you are in a battle and that your strategies 
require us to be um, more than kind of passive about seeking to preserve the witness and glory of God in the earth. See, uh, I totally agree with everything you have said. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess I'm just thinking from, uh, I guess, the flip side of the coin. Mm -hmm. Let's say I'm not a Christian. Let's say I don't have biblical worldviews. I'm just, you know, Jane Q. Average in in this world. And as a woman, I do not want someone coming and using a public restroom, and they're not a woman. They're a man who thinks they're a woman. Right. I, and I think whether, regardless of, uh, of your spiritual background or whatever, that just doesn't, just doesn't fit. And um, I, I'm, I'm thinking that, um, whoops, I lost my train of thought. There. That's okay. That's okay. I, I, I fully understand what you are seeking to establish by way of... Because- uh, by, by no, by way of uh, by way of um, of understanding uh, people's personal rights, I get that. I get that what you're saying. I really do. The advantage of living in our country is, first of all, Susan, that we can talk about it. Secondly, if we are able to execute a prudent civil discourse around it. It may be legislate uh, balanced policies that allow us to hold our position. You hold yours, et cetera, et cetera. If we could do that, then that would be the best of this broken world. I, I get that. If we got bathrooms that said, you know, biological male, biological female, and then a bathroom that said, you know, uh, uh, transgendered and a bathroom that because maybe a transgendered person don't want to use the bathroom with, you know, a gay person or what have you, that that particular uh, decompartmentalizing will go on and on and on uh, at Zertum at a certain point. And, and ultimately, we have to actually engage in a conversation about what's right and wrong. And that's the challenge here. The world does not want to engage in a right and wrong conversation because it gets into morals. It gets into ethics. It gets into origin. It gets into uh, accountability. It gets into consequences. And they just they want a moral majority. And that's why in our in our present world, the goal is to get as many people uh, sentimentally going in that direction as possible so they can legislate against the minority. And that minority will increasingly be be people who hold a biblical worldview. And that's why nothing in the New Testament, nothing in your Bible, Susan, nothing in my Bible advocates that the believer will live in this world peaceably with men, with men and women who are moving from a politically uh, fueled and a, uh, a worldview driven by, uh, as it were, extirpating God from it. God fully knows that we are in enemy territory. And in that regard, Sheila has a a, a serious uh, premised argument that when we come into the land, that's what she was saying using the Old Testament paradigm of Israel going into the promised land, that they weren't supposed to compromise with the people because God knew that their compromising with the people would overcome them. It would, it would cause them to lose advantage. It would cause them to, to um, actually have to shrink back and lose territory and eventually be overcome and ultimately that's what happened to Israel and according to New Testament theology it's dangerously true that that will happen to the Christians in this world uh, as well if we are not willing to engage in 
and apologetic that it lovingly seeks to let men and women know that uh, that there is a truth that we adhere to and believe that they actually are going to have to give an account to. That's part of the the blessed burden of being a Christian. And uh, both of us are going to have to uh, endure that. Thank you for the call. I got to take a break. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. Two lines open. One triple eight three six seven five three two nine. I will be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 